Well, hello, Grace Point. We all survived Easter. That's the good news. And last week, we began a brand new teaching series called Unhelpful, where we're essentially just looking at things that people often say, and they often say them to us when we're going through really difficult moments where we're processing grief or pain or hurt or trauma. And they say things that they, I really think, are well-intended. Like, we, yes, it's totally well-intended, but often it's sort of from a place of, like, cliche, and I don't know what to do, and I don't even know if I believe this, but it's what people say in these moments. And I'm sure we've all been on both sides of that coin, right? We've been the receiver of such comments, and I bet there are times, even as your faith has been shifting and growing and changing, I bet some of you, because this has happened to me before, have said something in the moment where you're like, I don't believe that. That's actually terrible. And it's just so ingrained and so built into us. And so we're just exploring some of those. Um, and today I want to look at one that I think is really, really unhelpful, and that is this phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle. Anybody in this room or online ever been, God will never give you more than you can handle before? Did that make everything better for you? Did that just like rainbows appear and birds were singing and suddenly the storm clouds were gone and life was perfect again? It's akin to just sort of one of those things like, well, just, just be okay, right? Just get over God's never going to give you more than you can handle. And what does that mean? Does that mean, sort of like we talked about last week, is God testing us? Are we ultimately lab rats? Is creation just a maze that God puts us little tiny human mice in and we just run around and God's just trying to see what we're going to do? Right? But from some of the same theology that produced this phrase are people who believe that God knows everything that you're going to do. Like what you're going to do next week, God already knows. Right? So why does God need to put you through things to see what you'll do? It's like God should already know that. Is God trying to find our breaking point? Is that what God is ultimately like? I want to see how far I can push them to the edge, how much torture I can place them through, how much heartbreak, how much loss, how much trauma, how much suffering. I want to see how far I can take them. And look, if you've ever read the Bible, I mentioned this book last week, but if you've ever read the Bible, the book of Job is a, like, it's that theology in some ways, right? How many of you ever read the book of Job? The book of Job goes like this. God is hanging out with the Satan. That's a whole other sermon. <laughs> we'll get there someday. And God's like, hey, check out Job. Isn't Job great? And the Satan, it's not a name, it's a title, the Satan. The Satan, the adversary, the accuser, is sort of like a prosecuting attorney in God's court in the book of Job. And the Satan says to God, well, it's only like everything's up and to the right for Job. You've only blessed Job. Job has everything. Job is living the life. I bet if I go down and just mess it all up, Job will curse you. And that's how God's like, okay, let's see. Like a divine wager produces untold suffering and sorrow. Now, look, I think that is a snapshot of how our ancient spiritual ancestors wrestled with the problem of evil and pain and suffering in the world. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't make it good theology. I think I should say that again. <laughs> just, just because it's in the Bible doesn't make it good theology. Sometimes, if you follow the theology of the Bible to the letter, you will do some pretty terrible things to yourself and to one another in the world. And so here's the reality. I, I, is this in the Bible? That's, that's a really good place to start. Is it in the Bible... Does it say, is there a chapter and verse that God won't put more on you than you can handle? No, sort of. And so here's why I say sort of. So no, like there is no, it's not like in Hezekiah 3.16, God will never put more on you than you can handle, right? 
Like nobody's getting that verse tattooed because it doesn't exist. But there is a passage in the New Testament that sort of gets grabbed onto and sort of Rubik's cubed a little bit and shaken around and people go to it for support. It's found in 1 Corinthians um, and it's chapter 10. And let me give you the context before I read the verse to you. Here's the context. This writer, Paul, is, is writing and he's using the Exodus story. And here's the, here's the issue he's dealing with in Corinth. Like they're struggling with, there's a, a lot, there's a Jewish population in the community, there's a Gentile population in the community. The Gentile population is used to going to places like temples for meals, right? Because often people would throw a feast and you would go to the temple and there would be an offering and then you would eat in the presence of the temple as a way of you know, making peace with the divine. You would eat within that the meal within the temple and you had like newly Jesus following people who were still doing that and it was causing problems for other members of the community. And so Paul is, is trying to say, like, maybe not, but like, he, he struggles. Because at one point he's like, you can do whatever you want. And then he's like, I don't know. Like, Paul's wrestling with this as he writes it. But he decides, I'm going to use a snapshot of our history from the Exodus movement and the wilderness wandering. And I'm going to use it as a cautionary tale to warn this community about the possibilities that happen when you do this sort of thing. And so he's warning them about this predicament that they're in. And here's what he says. No, no testing. Uh, some translations say no temptation. It's a Greek word, pyrasmos. It can mean trial, test, temptation. It, it just kind of depends on who's translating it in the context. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. Like he begins with, you're not unique. <laughs> Congrats. And then he goes on. God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but will, with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you will be able to endure it. Right? Now, there's lots of things we could dig down on this. Maybe he's talking about an emergency exit in the temple so you can get out. I don't, like, there are all sorts of ways, where, places we can go with that. Here's what he's not saying. To every single person that's ever lived in your everyday life, in your ups and downs, your good, your bad, all of it, God will never put more on you than you can handle. Because what Paul doesn't say in that text is God is testing you, right? That's not what he says. He's like, you're experiencing trials. You're experiencing tests. You're experiencing struggle. You're, ex you're going through some things. And the good news is you don't go through the things alone. You go through the things within because God is the one in whom we live, move, and exist. This temptation trial isn't from God. And actually, later in the New Testament, a writer named James puts a little bit finer point on it. And he says, no one when tempted or tested should say, I'm being tempted by God. Because God can't be tempted and God tempts no one. Like anybody ever been like, you got that flat tire and you're like, God's just testing me. You got that letter from the IRS. No matter what it is, when you get a letter from the IRS in the mail, do you just like immediately break out into a cold sweat? Like, like, you failed the exam, something blew up that you were planning. Is that, God? oh, God's just testing me. That's, actually, God doesn't do that. James says, God's not in the business of testing people. We're not lab rats. We're not people. God's like, let's see what they'll do if I do this. And let's, the image I have in my mind is sort of like, a, like Jenga, right? Anybody played Jenga before? I thought about bringing it up here, but then I was like, that's, I'm going to spill it everywhere. But, you know, Jenga is you're moving one piece and you're putting it on and, and, and the support system gets smaller, but the weight up top gets heavier and whoever knocks it over loses. Is that what God, are we like walking Jenga? 
where God's like, I'm going to move this around and that around, and I'm just going to see what makes you topple over. And then when you topple over, I'm going to send along my followers to shame you for not being strong enough. Is that really, really what God is up to? It sort of feels like sometimes in a lot of theology, like God has a laser pointer and we're the cats. Do you ever do that? I I don't do that. I've done that. But, you know, they're just darting around going from, is God just like, just all for God's amusement? Here's, Here's what I think. What if God doesn't put anything on us But what if God's hope and goal is to actually lighten the load we carry? That's radically different, isn't it? That's not, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. This is God saying, you've got too much already. You're carrying things that human shoulders weren't designed to carry. And so often, because of shame, because of guilt, because of trauma, we end up hiding and we're carrying it all alone. And what if the whole point of community, what if the whole point of faith, what if the whole deal is God going, I want, looks like you've got too much on your shoulders. Let me take some of that off. So many of us have had the opposite experience. So many of us have gone to church and we've been shamed because we're not doing enough. So many of us have lived in life and been struggling and we've confided in somebody that I I need help. I can't keep doing this. I need to see a therapist or I need some friends to come alongside me and support me or I just need a break. This is like wave upon wave upon wave and I just can't. And they're like, well, God will never put more on you than you can handle. So right now it sounds like what you have is not a stress problem. You have a faith problem. That is the appropriate response. Along with your squealing tires getting the heck away from them after they say that to you. But how many of us have been in that state where what we needed was help, what we needed was support, what we needed was to be seen, and what we were given was shame, 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 shame. And I'll I'll just be honest. I have never once in my life had an experience where God showed up in my life in some physical way, like, like, hey, I'm God. See the beard? Like, I'm God. And did a thing. Every single time in my life when I've ever had a sense of the divine, it has always been through other human beings. Because I, I think there's something to, I think there's something to this idea of human image bearing. Like when you show up, wherever you show up, the divine has entered the room. And actually was there before you even got there, but you, you embody and you bring. And, and, and what if the way God seeks to lighten the load of human beings in the world is through other human beings who know that they are carrying a lot too and they need people to support them and come around them and encourage them. I think the question we have to ask, is the church going to be a source of liberation or a source of oppression for people? Is the church going to deepen the wounds or is the church going to bandage and put balm on the wounds to bring healing? Is the church going to lighten the load of the world or is it going to seek to make it heavier? this great moment in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus sort of like, in, in the text, it sort of seems like he's just bursting to say this. Like he just yells it out. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Rest. Yeah, I'll be honest. I hope sometimes, when, many times, most of the time, all the times, I hope when you leave Grace Point, you actually feel a bit lighter. Yeah, I do. I, I do. I spent my life going to church and walking out feeling way, way heavier than it. Like, 
like whatever it would be like with zero gravity, like when, when gravity's bigger, like if you were on Mars, you know what I mean? Like it would just be heavy. Like that's what it felt like church. I'm not an astronomer, but you get it. That's what I always felt like church would do is like you come in and you're feeling pretty good. It's a nice day. There's a party bus outside. You're just feeling great. And all of a sudden, it's like you're not enough. You don't believe enough. You don't do enough. And if you feel like it's too heavy and if you feel like it's too much, it's not God's fault and it's not our fault. It's your fault. You haven't done enough, believed enough. You just haven't been enough. And it seems like Jesus is doing the opposite. Jesus is saying, actually, you've been told that lie your entire life. Let's take some of that off of you. Let's take some of that heaviness away. I didn't put that on you to begin with. It's not the thing I do in the world. Is the church going to be a source of removing heavy, oppressive loads, or are we going to keep keeping them on to people? I remember, remember in the Gospels when Jesus essentially says, look, beware of religious leaders who tie up heavy loads and put them on you and don't lift a finger to take them off. It's almost like one of the ways you maybe get the sense that something might be legit and that whatever God is and whatever the Spirit of God means, that whatever that reality is, that it might have something to do with it is, it actually is removing the, the heaviness. And it's actually bringing more likeness. Now, by likeness, I don't mean everything's perfect and it all goes away. And No, but a sense of you're not carrying that alone anymore. That you're seen and you're known and you're valued and your voice is heard, and you are loved, and you are not shamed, but people are coming alongside you and reminding you of exactly who you are. Because who the church has told many of us we were our entire lives has been wrong. And it has been steeped in control and power and greed. Because they wondered what you would do if you were ever set free. Right? Listen to these words from Marcus Borg. We are accepting, and, and, and this, this is, if you're an eye-closed person, this might be a great moment, because uh, when I read this quote, it just sort of washes. We are accepted by God, affirmed by God, beloved by God, just as we are. Life is not about the anxious project of measuring up, but about living one's life grounded in God's grace. You ever, you ever felt that sense of like I don't measure up or like I need to measure up? You ever felt that need to posture like everybody around you has it all together? I, I'll tell you, sometimes one of the places I feel that the most is like in parenting because I think everybody, out, like look at all these perfect parents in the world. And like I described to my own parents yesterday, our parenting approach is called survival. <laughs> like it is survival. And you look around at other people, or you look at people who are maybe the same age as you, and oh my gosh, look what they've done, and you feel like you haven't done what they've done. Well, that's not your path, and that's not your story. You are who, exactly who you are. And exactly who you are as you are, you are beloved, accepted, and affirmed by God. Life is not about measuring up. Is anybody in here exhausted? Anybody feeling overwhelmed? Anybody feeling like you're barely treading water? Anybody feel like everyone, including God, is watching you barely stay afloat and just waiting on you to sink? Not even offering you a life raft, just like, let's see how long they can tread water, and then we'll, like, slander them for not being able to tread water long enough. 
Anybody feel like you're not enough because you never meet the lofty expectations that you've been told God has set for you and that other people have set for you? Anybody constantly feel like you're having to prove why you belong and why you matter? I think it's to that sense Jesus says the words, okay, let me lighten that load. Let me take off that burden. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to prove. You belong, you're beloved, and you matter right now. Listen to these words from Richard Rohr. Gosh, I hope one day to believe these enough to, to actually embody it. There is nothing to prove and nothing to protect. I am who I am and it's enough. I've read that quote for years. I've shared it in sermons for years. And one day I'm going to actually embody it and believe it. And I offer that to you today. There is nothing to prove. There is nothing to protect. You are who you are and it's enough. You don't need to defend your existence or your worthiness. You are worthy right now. You are enough. You are beloved. It is okay to set boundaries without feeling shame. Too much going on. You're, you're too heavy. You need, it's, it's okay to say, no, I'm not going to do that thing you're asking me to do because I'm exhausted and I'm barely going. It's not unchristian to take care of yourself. It's the whole oxygen mask on the airplane situation. It's a little counterintuitive, but you put your own on first so that you can then put it on others. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to feel like you're barely going. It's okay to say, I need somebody to come and share this heavy load with me. That's not weakness. That's not weakness. It is not weakness to say, I can't go it alone. I would argue that that's strength. I would argue that strength is saying, I know that if I keep doing this on my own, I'm going to fall under the weight. And so I'm going to invite some other people. There's no shame. It's not a lack of faith on your part. It's not a lack of trust. It's not a lack of belief. It's not a lack of, it's not you're incomplete or you're a bad person. No, no, no. This is, this is part of the human experience, living in a world where things just continually get heaped upon us. And we're all running around trying to figure out what we do with it when we've been given a community to help do that together, right? That's why we actually want to get you all together more, right? Whether it's in person or online, that's why we do care groups. That's why we do those events uh, like once a month or once a quarter or whatever it is uh, to get people together so that you see each other and you begin to know each other and you get invited into it. Now, everybody's not going to do that, right? Like we're not going to do open mic. Hey, come and tell us all your business. But what we will do is say, you need people. You need people who know you and know your story so that you're not carrying all this alone. A church is a community, and a church at its best and most beautiful is a community where we share the heaviness so that everybody can experience some lightness. Are you with me? Grace Point, does God not put more on you than you can handle? No. Because God's not putting things on you to begin with. But God always joins in the act of liberation and healing in the pursuit of wholeness. And I hope today, when you leave this space, whatever you feel, you feel a little bit lighter. Are you with me? Let's pray.